They didn't miss the hot weather when you got back, did you? <laughs> We've been keeping it toasty for you. <laughs> but it is so good to see each of you today, and here we are on the July 4th weekend. You know, this morning as I was driving in to church, you know, I you know, saw people with their pontoon boats loaded up, heading to wherever, and, you know, other boats, and, and we know that that happens, and people are taking vacations, which is nothing wrong with taking a vacation, and, you know, going out and things, but do we stop and think about our nation and what the Lord has done? And so this morning, I, I, trying to, or attempting to think about, or the title of the message is, Blessed is the Nation. Blessed is the nation. Um, I think you would agree that our nation has been blessed. Uh, and if you've ever gone out of this country to another country, you, you, you would definitely say that we have been blessed. We have been blessed in many ways. We have been blessed in material things. Geographically, this country, it has everything in the sense that we need. Educationally, this country uh, has, you know, the things that we need. And even in technology, uh, even in all of these aspects, our country has been blessed. And so as we celebrate the birth of our nation this week, uh, we need to be thankful to the Lord and seek Him for His continuing blessing uh, as we go to, the, go to the future. I'm also, on a day like this, and the, the day before July 4th, I'm reminded again that our freedom comes with a high price. And I think we should remind ourselves of that. Men and women throughout our history of our country have given their lives so that this country may have its independence. And we should not forget about that. I was thinking back when I was reading that thought, I remember the morning I got a call from our sheriff at that time, Ronnie Lee. And it was early, and Ronnie was da, 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 going, and I said, Ronnie, wait, wait, you know. And uh, he said, we have a, we've had a young man in our community shot and killed in action, and they're coming to do the notification today would you go with me? And he told me the name, but it did not stick at that moment. And so I met the sheriff at the sheriff's department. The, the Marine detachment was there, and we took off. I've never gone that fast, Preston, in a cop car before. But uh, uh, we first went to the mother's home, and she wasn't there. And then we went to her place of work. And she saw the sheriff, she saw the Marine Guard, she saw us, and she said, I'm not coming out. Because she knew what it was. The young man's name was Christopher Strickland. Some of you might know him. Some of you maybe went to school with him. But his mother, which at that point still didn't realize that I knew her. And when I walked in, she used to work at Langford Ford. And I walked in. And I saw the mom. And she said, Padre, I don't know if I can do this. That's what she called me. She said, Padre, I don't know. You know, and for me, in the sense of I knew I was there to comfort, but when I saw her and realized and put the connection together, that was tough for that family. 
from someone from our community who served the Marines with joy and excitement and it's what he wanted to do, but he gave his life for this country. He gave his life. And, and we need to remember as we think of our nation today how blessed we are. But we also need to realize the price that has been paid. And in the same way, we need to realize that that Declaration of Independence that maybe we remember being taught in school. But do you know that, the, that out of the 56 people who signed that Declaration of Independence, five were captured and tortured by the British before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned to the ground. Two lost their sons in the war. One had two sons uh, captured. Nine fought and died from wounds of, of the hardships of war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planner and trader, saw his ship swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home to pay his debts and died a very poor man. Thomas McKean was forced to move his family almost, almost constantly because he was hounded by the British. He served in Congress without pay, and he died in poverty. Thomas Nelson's home was seized by the British at the Battle of Yorktown, Yorktown and used as a command post. He urged General George Washington to open fire on it, and the home was destroyed, and Nelson also died bankrupt. See, these are some of the early men who signed their name to a document that we know today as the Declaration of Independence, and it cost them. Even in our great nation today, blessed is the nation, but even our nation today, we need to see what the scriptures say about nations. You see, we learn that God, and I hope we will learn this, we learn that God is greater than all nations. God is greater than all nations. That nations come and go, but God is still there. Do you think Nations will finally re realize that and, and realize the, the importance of grasping that God will always be there. They might not, but God will. But also we need to see that God can use nations as part of his plan. And throughout the Old Testament, we see how God has used these nations. But you know, we also need to consider the real dangers of our blessing with God. You see, some of, those, some of those threats, some of those external conflicts like terrorism, that is something that concerns us. But I think we need to be concerned today about those internal ones that affect us today. Those internal things that are mulling and, and, and are growing in our nation today, that internally the division that we're seeing in our world today. God's word teaches us what a nation is supposed to do. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 33. Psalms 33, and I'm going to read the first 15 verses. It'll be on the screen, or you can follow along. 
Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with a lyre. Make music to him with a ten-string harp. Sing a new song to him. Play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is trustworthy. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. The heavens are made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into a heap and he puts the depths into the storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came into being. He commanded, and it came into existence. The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thaws the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen to be his own possession. The Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms forms the heart of them all. He considers all their works. As we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, go back and look at verse 12 with me. It says, happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, and people he has chosen to be his own possession. You know, as we look at this passage this morning, as we read this, we see very clear what it means to be a nation whose God is the Lord. We need to see that as a people, as a group, as a, as a nation, we need to see that we need to be a people who acknowledge who acknowledge and worship the living Lord. We're not worshiping a dead God. We are worshiping a living Lord. And that should bring enthusiasm. That should bring that blessed hope. That should bring an excitement because our God is still alive. And we need to see that we need to acknowledge and worship him. You know, as you read verses 1 and 2 and 3, what were these people doing? You say, well... They were praising from the, uh, uh, they were, praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Praise the Lord with music, with string, harp, sing a new song. They were talking about worship. Worshiping the Lord. And who? Worshiping the living Lord. May we never forget that, that we worship a living Lord. And so this morning, as we think about that, another scripture that came to mind is in Isaiah 60, 12. And I don't think I have this on the screen, but it says, For the nation in the kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid to waste. To waste, or in the in this CSB, annihilated, taken out, moved out totally. You see, we need to be a a people that worship a living Lord. We also need to be a people who seek to know and do what the Lord God calls them to do. I believe God is still shouting out from the mountaintops of the things that he wants us to do in his kingdom. 
He is sharing that through his son, Jesus Christ. There are things he wants us to do. I know how it is sometimes. Uh, we're hearing this and we're saying, God, I, I just don't know if that's possible. But isn't our God amazing that our God is able to do what? He's able to do the impossible. But many times, what is it? Our lack of faith or things, and it stops us. But we need to be a people who seeks to know and do what the Word of God calls them to do. There in verse 8 of that same chapter of 33, in verse 8, it says, Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. You see, we need to be a people who fear the Lord and show Him reverence. We need to fear the Lord. And what I, what I call a good fear is that, is that verse is that verse says, Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. And then look at verses 10 and 11. It says, the Lord, the Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thaws the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plains of his heart from generation. You see, as we, we, need to be, uh, we need to be a people who seeks the Lord's plans and not their own. We need to desire, God, I, I want to see your will. I, I want to see your plan. You know, a lot of times what we want is something that says, well, let's do the easy thing. But sometimes God's plan, well, we know it's going to be better. We know it's going to be divine. We know all these things, but we need to seek, Lord, what is your plan for us at this moment? Lord, may I be, may we be, may we as a church seek you, Lord, in the plans you would want us to be. But look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms the hearts of them all. He considers all their works. Do we know, do we understand that we are accountable to the Lord? Do we understand that? I, I, I wonder, even in my own life sometimes, do I fully understand that I am accountable to the Lord? And we are. We are accountable to the Lord. He watches, the Scripture says. He watches and considers everything we do. Everything. You know, you've heard me mention, you know, LaBelle is a small town. <laughs> and, you know, in small towns, one of the traits about a small town, everybody knows What's going on? Sometimes you just go look at Facebook. They'll tell you, you know. Now, that doesn't mean it's true, but they'll tell you, you know. Uh, but in a small town, it's hard to keep a secret in it. Can you keep a secret from God? Does he know what's going on in our lives? Yes, he does. We need to, need to be a people who realize we are accountable to the Lord. And I know some people said, man, I, I hate that. No, we should be thrilled. That we are accountable to the Lord. And that we should come to Him. You see, to be a nation whose God is the Lord, we, we must be people who reject the false gods in our country today. 
It could be the God, little g, of material wealth. In other words, it's not that God doesn't want us to be rich or, or to, to have things. But what is he telling us here? He's telling us, don't let that wealth, don't let that most material things become your God. Where it is Lord over you. Same way with worldly pleasure where we allow those pleasures of this world to control us and we do not allow God to control us. Or something that we see from time to time, he said, be careful of worldly approval. In other words, we say, to fit in, to be accepted by others. And we've got to be careful that that doesn't become our God. Or physical appearance. We need to be careful, again, that that doesn't become our God. Or power or influence, any of those things. If we're allowing those things to be our God and dictate to us what we do, then we are not being faithful and obedient to our God. That's why uh, in Proverbs 14.34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Did you see that? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And then I want us to look again at Isaiah 60, 12, as they bring that back up on, on the screen. Isaiah 60, 12 said, For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve you will perish. Those nations will be annihilated. Guys, what about our nation? You see, righteousness. It's about doing what is right, not sinning. It's, it's about serving the Lord. We need to see today in my life, your life, our life, the importance of serving the Lord in all that we do. We need to be careful of the sinning and what it does. That's why we need to pray for our leaders in our country. We need to pray for them that they would seek to do what is right. We need to pray for these leaders. And it's about doing what's right in our country as well as dealing around the world, again, other countries. And when you mention the United States, some people think very highly and others think very lowly of this country. We need to serve the Lord. We need to do what is right. Many times we're frustrated with some of our leaders that doesn't seem to acknowledge God. I think in the recent days of all the protests and things we have seen about the ruling of the court, to me what saddens me that, you know, we've always been, and we've been a nation that where people can share their views, but even when we disagree, we should not see the anger and the hatred and these things that we're seeing, our young people are seeing politicians, other leaders, discredit other men and women because the ruling didn't go in their favor. Now, I do believe that we have the right to speak, but again, how we should speak. As a nation, as people who believe in God, we need to see that righteousness is important in our world today, right within our country. Are we right with God? We need to remind ourselves of some things. 
We are not righteous by nature. In other words, we're not right by God at birth. We are sinners. We are born sinners. We are born into this world, of this world. And righteousness won't come until we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Another thing, remember this. We also need to remember that we do not become righteous just by doing what is good. You say, well, I haven't been in trouble. But, and I'm doing, I'm doing the best that I can. It's more than that. Righteousness is not just doing what is good. Righteousness is allowing our living Lord and Savior to reign in our life. And then we need to be reminded that we are made righteous. And the only way we can be made righteous is through Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can bring that righteousness. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, what did God do? God did a miracle. God took his son, who knew no sin, none whatsoever, And brought sin to him. Why? So that his son could die on the cross for us. For our sins. And for us to be made whole. So that in him we might become righteous before God. But this morning. This morning. Blessed is the nation that trusts in God. I mentioned to you already Psalms 33, 21, where it says, For our hearts rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. In Psalms 20, verses 6 and 7, and I'm, I'm reading this out of the Living Bible, it says, Some nations boast of armies and of weaponry, but our boast is in the Lord our God. Those nations will collapse and perish, and we will arise to stand firm and sure. You see, we need to to realize what makes this nation great. It's not me. It's not our military. It's not our intelligence. It's not our technology. It's not our history. What makes this nation blessed is when we, as individuals, according to Scripture, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and allow Him to live in our lives. I don't know if you are history buffs per se, but you know, in that first constitutional convention, the delegates that gathered to build the Declaration of Independence, you can imagine the discussion and the words and all the things that were happening. And they became frustrated and they were burdened and they were harassed. And then Benjamin Franklin rose to his feet and this is what he said. Gentlemen, if it is true, that not one single petal from any flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention. Will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. And then that group promptly got down on their knees, and when they arose from prayer, the slogan, E Puris Unum, was born. One out of many. 
You see, we are called to trust in the name of the Lord. And this morning, are you willing, are you ready to trust in the name of the Lord? This July 4th, we will be celebrating 246 years as a country. 246 years. And the blessings that we have received. You see, the Lord not only gives us his word to teach us and and to the blessings, but he also provides us with a test. Now, when I read these three statements, I have to be honest, it brought me to tears. How are we, as the United States of America, doing at making God the Lord of our nation? How are we doing at seeking righteousness? How are we trusting his name more than ourselves, our politicians, our military? Boy, those those three statements just touched me. You see, what can we as his people do for the future blessing of America? Well, Three short things. We need to live for Christ, number one. We need to be the salt and the light of this world. You say, well, but preacher, it's not going to make a difference. It's, it, it will. We need to be the salt and light and let it start in LaBelle. So we need to live for Christ. We also, we can pray. And we can pray for our leaders. We can pray for revival. Guys, prayer is a mighty weapon. We also, we can depend on the Lord for our truth, source of freedom, courage, and spiritual power. Realize our politicians will never, never be able to bring us the freedom and the courage and the spiritual power we need. Only God can. And so, as we think about that, I pray that we have a wonderful fourth, but that we would seek the righteousness and the trust of the Lord and realize, even though we've got many shortcomings, blessed is this nation. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us of this country. And Lord, how we would be without you. And Lord, we need you in all aspects. Because, Lord, it's not what we have done. And, Lord, we just pray that we would be the salt and the light of this world. And that we would pray for our country, for our leaders, our families, our churches. Lord, that we would pray and continue to hold your name above all names. Lord, we just thank you in your son's name. Amen.